Hey y'all, it's Dr. Samina Rahman, gyno girl. I'm a board certified gynecologist, a clinical assistant professor of OBGYN at Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine, and owner of a private practice for almost a decade that specializes in menopause and sexual medicine. I'm a South Asian American Muslim woman who is here to empower, educate, and help you advocate for health issues that have been stigmatized, shamed, and perhaps even prevented you from living your best life. I'm better than your best girlfriend and more open than most of your doctors. I'm here to educate so you can advocate. Welcome to Gyno Girl Presents Sex, Drugs, and Hormones. Let's go. Thank you for joining me today for a new discussion. Just me, I'm going to be talking to you about a condition I treat in my office as a sex med gynecologist. It's known as persistent genital arousal disorder. And it is one of the most challenging conditions that I think that we treat in sex med, but also um, the most one of the most gratifying as well when it comes to helping patients overcome this, but it always leads to a long journey. It is a condition that was first uh, discovered or, you know, uh, reported in 2001 by some amazing sex med clinicians, Leb, Leb Lumet, and Nathan, and it was just known as persistent sexual arousal syndrome at that time. That was in 2001, so that was 23 years ago. Uh, it was a case series of sort of five women, and the features were this unremitting genital arousal that were noticed in the absence of conscious feelings of sexual desire. There was no obvious hormonal, vascular, neurological, or psychological causes at that time. And then in 2006, Labelum revised the name and the condition to persistent genital arousal disorder. What's become amazing is the organization that I speak about a lot that I'm on the board of and that I'm in multiple committees and the scientific committee is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. And in 2016, they came up with this wonderful process of care for PGAD. So it really can help guide a lot of clinicians in treating it. Let's first talk about just the definition. How we treat it becomes very complicated, but it's always, just like most of sexual medicine, is a biopsychosocial approach. But the Ishwish Executive Committee came together and they came up with a consensus on attributing factors, on treatment, and a very thorough process of care, which is available online for those of you who are who potentially can treat this condition or can at least guide your patients for this. But essentially, the condition, you know, isn't is is obviously understudied. And today I just want to emphasize that I'm speaking of persistent genital arousal disorder when it comes to vulva owners. So, you know, the overall sort of when you talk about epidemiology and, and the prevalence, anywhere from one to three percent, depending on the study that you read, it's understudied and it's probably underdiagnosed pretty significantly. PGAD is a condition that's associated with really significant impairment of function and impairment of daily living. Some people cannot drive, they cannot do their housework or social activities, cannot have sexual relations in the capacity that they want. Their quality of life is awful. And most of my patients that I see, trigger warning, have contemplated even suicidal ideation. In fact, a survey of women experiencing symptoms of persistent genital arousal disorder noted that 54% of these patients reported experiencing some degree of suicidal ideation. And I see this in my office, especially the patients that have had it lifelong or even for just you know um, months to years. The risk factors for those that do have um, suicidal ideation are 
you know, really depression, prior suicide attempts, attempts for comorbid conditions like substance abuse, prescription drug misuse, or interpersonal stressors, particularly with relationships. And so, you know, anxiety and catastrophization actually contribute to that as well. But in general, it's, but generally criteria for really the diagnosis of this disorder, which is either persistent genital arousal or genital pelvic dysesthesia, PGAD or GPD. It's a persistent or recurrent, unwanted or intrusive, distressing sensation of genital arousal for more than three months. It may include genital pelvic dysthesias like buzzing, tingling, burning, twitching, itching, pain. Most commonly, it's experienced in the clitoris, but can sometimes be in the labia minora, the vulva, uh, or any part of the vulva, the vestibule, the urethra, the perineal area, the bladder. It may include patients that are on the verge of orgasm or experiencing uncontrolled orgasm or having an excessive number of orgasms. I want to say like 10 years or so ago, there was, you know, these skits that came out when PGAD got some attention in the in the um, social atmosphere. I think there was a skit uh, that was done in, on Saturday Night Live where this patient where this woman was making fun of the fact that she was having these orgasms. And I know that a lot of people found this as very entertaining. I find when I reviewed that recently, and I'm going to do a YouTube video on it, I found it quite distressful that people were making fun of the fact that these patients were on the verge of orgasm or had to orgasm to feel, to relieve this distress. Many times that doesn't help a lot of my patients, but this is a very, very, very distressing condition that we should not take lightly. And again, it's most commonly experienced in the area of the clitoris, but any genital pelvic area, the mons, the vulva, the vestibule, which I'm going to do a separate discussion on what is the vestibule and how that's related to most of what I do in my office. And the big factor here is that it's any of these sensations, any of these feelings are not associated with concomitant sexual thoughts, fantasies, or interests. And that's big. The associations can be, uh, you know, limited resolution or no resolution when you have sex. So a lot of patients, they try to have sex to see if they can improve their symptoms and it doesn't go away. They might have a a compromised orgasm as well because they're thinking they might uh, alleviate their symptoms, but sometimes become uh, averse to orgasms or alter the frequency or intensity or timing of the pleasure. Um, Certain conditions can really aggravate this this, um, condition. So sitting or car driving or certain musics or certain things that make you more anxious. Again, when patients start catastrophizing that this is not going to go away, this also has um, a significant impairment of their life. And really on physical exam, there's no evidence of general arousal, lubrication, swelling, or anything else. So, you know, we have this condition. If you know any patient, they sometimes it's associated with restless legs. Sometimes it's associated with a multitude of other uh, conditions, depression, Obsessive compulsive disorder, catastrophization, or hypervigilance can be associated with sexual trauma or emotional trauma. Some of the patients I've seen that have had it since they're five or six years old really can even remember some sort of sexual trauma that may have incurred. Now, usually there is a hypertonic pelvic floor. There might be something to do with, you know, your pudendal nerve, some medications that might be contributing, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. But when I have a patient like that in my office and they have this condition, this persistent genital arousal, they're in a lot of distress. These appointments are very traumatic for the patient to relive some of this. But, you know, we have to take a very, very detailed history. That's first. You know, I would say like, you know, over half of what I do when it comes to this is really, really 
letting the patient speak about all the issues they've had leading up to, you know, these PGAD feelings, when they started, what makes it better and what makes it worse, what they've noticed. One of the most compelling things a patient told me recently was that she, she someone that experienced it lifelong when it made a big difference for her was to realize it was an actual condition that it wasn't in her hair, that she shouldn't have shame associated with it, which many, many, many patients feel like an intense amount of shame or they were shamed when they were younger. And she said that the fact that I could finally Google and find it on you know my website, on Ishwish website, on Prosela, which is the patient-facing website for Ishwish, the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health again was very gratifying to her. But this was a condition with a name and it meant a lot to her that she found that. That was, you know, one of these things that really hit home to me that sometimes just naming the disorder and normalizing that this is something that exists and that you're not alone, that there are other patients or vulva owners that have experienced this can make a big difference in just alleviating some of the the angst that these patients feel. But after a good history the way that we really approach any of these genital pelvic dysthesias is just remarkable that, you know, this consensus staff, Erwin Goldstein, who again is like the godfather of sexual medicine and a whole slew of other Ishwish clinicians came together and they came up with this approach to how to deal with this condition of PGAD or any kind of clitoral pain or nerve related pain, you know, numbness tingling down there. Okay. Down there meaning in that genital pelvic region. And so based on the expert opinion, what we look at is to better understand and to better diagnose and to better treat. Again, this is going to be treated from a biopsychosocial perspective. There are going to be multiple clinicians, therapists involved in the treatment to get patients better. And so the first thing is finding someone who can kind of like oversee it or get you connected. That's a lot of what I do. But the first thing we look at is a region-based approach. So there are five regions that we look at. Okay, so of course. Number one is the end organ. And when I mean end organ, I'm talking about the genital pelvic region, right? So we're going to look at the end organ first. The second region is your pelvic floor, which is the muscles, right, of the pelvic floor. The third region is the cauda equina. You may remember me speaking about that in an earlier podcast, which is where you have the nerve roots that converge at the end of your, your spine your backbone, basically. We're going to look at the spinal cord, essentially the lumbar sacral area, and see if there's anything else going on with those nerves that are exiting the spinal cord. And then finally, we look at the brain as, a, as another region. So those are the five regions that we talk about. So the first thing we always do is a physical exam. Uh, when it comes to the end organ or region one, we're going to look at the clitoris first. We're going to see, you know, is there a hypersensitivity to the clitoris? We're going to look under a vulvoscope and look for any what we call clitoral phimosis or adhesions. We're going to see if there's, we can't retract the clitoral hood, what percentage that is, because there is a possibility that if there's significant clitoral adhesions, we can lyse those adhesions and take out any of these, the, the schmegma that exists under there, just like men get schmegma, you know, um, clitoris owners can get schmegma as well, and then remove these keratinized pearls underneath the clitoral hood. And sometimes that will help patients alleviate their symptoms of PGAD. We also have to look at the vulva as a whole. 
we want to make sure that there's no signs of inflammatory skin conditions or dermatoses of the vulva. So that's very important as well. So we will look at that. We will do a clitoral anesthesia test. We put anesthetic agent over the clitoris, see if the pain or the sensations go away. We do the same when it comes to the vestibule, which is the next sort of area of the end organ. So the vestibule, if you remember from any of my previous information I've given you, is the area between the inner labia minora extending to the hymenal remnant. It's the opening of the vagina and extends up toward the urethra and down toward the perineum. And so it is the opening of, it's like the vestibule of a room. This is the vestibule of the vagina. And so it is vulvar vestibule. It has very unique tissue that's kind of consistent with the kind of tissue that we have in our bladder. And so at least embryologically, we know there's some differences there. There's androgen receptors, there's estrogen receptors. And so sometimes people can have pain with sex at the entry that's related to that vestibular pain or vestibulodynia. Call that provoked vestibulodynia, which means that you're trying to do something, have sex or anything else, and it's causing pain. So sometimes alleviating any kind of vestibular issues, either this increase in nerve densities, we're going to talk about neuroproliferative vestibulodynia, where you have, you're either born with too much, too many nerve endings in the vestibule, or you acquire it over time from inflammatory conditions. So we're going to look at the vestibule, that opening, we're going to see if the hormones are related to that, if there's any hormonally mediated vestibulinia, that means that have you been on birth control since you were 15 and that's contributing? Are you postpartum? Have you had cancer treatment? Have you postmenopausal? Are any of these things contributing to this hormone deprivation that can happen at the vestibule that can cause pain and sometimes be related to persistent genital arousal? So vulvar dermatoses, lichen sclerosis, lichen planus, those are inflammatory skin conditions that may have autoimmune origin. I've done some videos on that for YouTube as well as I in my Instagram, and I will be having some discussion with patients who have these conditions so you guys can learn more about it. We will look at the vagina and see if there's any kind of inflammatory vaginitis. We call it disquamative inflammatory vaginitis. There might be people that have chronic candidiasis or allergic reactions that may be contributing to that discomfort. And then, of course, we have to look at the bladder and the urethra to see if there's any pain syndromes associated with that. So all of that is just the end organ, which is region one. Again, your gynecologist, your clinician, your urologist, whomever you are seeing can really help assess with that. And then I also look very closely at the pelvic floor. We're going to look at whether or not, you know, you're having symptoms of urinary frequency, urgency, hesitancy, incomplete emptying, holding your urine, constipation, changes in your stool. We're going to see if the lower, the posterior or the the lower part of the vestibule is only involved. That means you might have a hypertonic pelvic floor. We know that um, hypertonic pelvic floor is associated with anxiety. It's associated with lower back pain, with hip pain, and overly exercising your core can cause issues down there too. And so we're really going to look at that very closely. And pelvic floor therapy is almost always included into the multimodal treatment modality for persistent genital arousal disorder. At the same time, we can look at whether or not the the nerve, the peripheral nerve that kind of innervates the clitoris, the vulva, the muscles down there, which is the pudendal nerve, which can be compromised, you know, in trauma, in surgeries, in deliveries from 
too much Peloton or biking, you can get these saddle injuries that can result in a pudendal nerve issue, which can be diagnosed with some nerve blocks. And then we can look for treatment options. And the pudendal nerve issues can also be contributing to PGAT. We'll do a separate talk on pudendal neuralgia. And then any kind of increased congestion or pelvic congestion within the pelvis as well. So that's region two. And so again, my my pelvic floor therapists are on speed dial. They're my best friends. I love them. And And I have one in my office who's amazing, who will also be on the podcast. And so that's always incorporated into the treatment of PGAN. And then the next thing we often do is just do a MRI without contrast of the lumbar spine, and that will capture some of the sacral area as well. And we're looking for these, there's a cyst that can generate into, in your epidural space called the Tarlov cyst, which sometimes is associated with the spinal cord. We're going to look at, we're going to look for Tarlov cysts, which we'll talk about at some point in detail. We're going to look for annular tears or any kind of radiculopathy that may be evident on MRI or on physical exam with other symptoms so that we can see if region three, the cauda equina, or region four, the spinal cord are involved. This is when I integrate interventional pain, uh, who happens to be my husband, into the mix of trying to help uh, these patients. And then we also look at potential um, neurosurgery or orthopedic surgery that specializes in the spine to see if we need to like do anything for these annular tears to remove Tarlov cysts and other issues. So that is another component to it. Then we have to look at region five, which is the brain, right? We're going to see if, you know, is there initiation or termination of any antidepressants or antipsychotic meds without weaning appropriately? Are you on any kind of treatment for Parkinson's that might be contributing because we know those can increase, you know, your dopamine? Are you associated? Are there any head injuries we should talk about? concussions, any brain surgery, history of seizures or Tourette syndrome, hyperthyroidism or iodine supplementation. We want to look at all of that. Okay, so that's region five. And so we will look at your medications. Trazodone is um, one of these meds that's associated with PGAD and look at all the list and see how this might be contributing. So you can see we have multiple regions and we approach it in that capacity so that we can integrate and then all, almost always sex therapy is involved. And then sometimes if we're treating the anxiety, depression, all of that stuff, we have to involve um, psychologists and psychiatrists. So this is, um, again, a very disruptive condition. It is life-altering for patients and inhibiting. And we do our best to try to navigate their care and incorporate as many specialists as we can to really get to the bottom of this. And most of my patients do really well. It's not a quick fix. Sometimes it takes, you know, months. Sometimes it takes over a year, depending on how long you've been having it, what we think the major contributing factors are. Is it region five, the brain? Is it region one? Region one tends to be a little bit easier in terms of uh, getting some symptom relief. One time I had a patient who just all had pelvic floor spasms, and that was, you know, easier to do. So we have our we have our algorithms you know we take each patient and individualize and individualize their care with multiple different specialties involved and if you're not getting that type of care please go to www.issswish.org and find yourself a clinician in your area who knows about this condition number 1 
Number two, may or may not have the experience to fully treat, but most of them do have, you know, a lot of experience with sexual dysfunction issues and can help you navigate through this journey. And pelvic floor therapists, like I said, are are, are on speed dial over here. (laughs) We have sex therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, interventional pain, and spine surgeons. So it is a multimodal approach. It's multi-specialty, multidisciplinary, whatever you want to call it. And so that's very important for this. So that's basically an overview of PGAD. I'm going to, I'm going to have other patients that have experienced this. I'm going to have other experts in this, and we're going to get to the nitty gritty about PGAD, persistent genital arousal disorder. And so please stay tuned for future episodes. You're going to hear an episode with April Patterson, who is a physical therapist, amazing physical therapist on the West Coast, who also has been a patient with this and is one of the leading experts in physical therapy when it comes to PGAD. So please stay tuned for that on the next podcast. And thank you once again. I am here to educate so you can advocate. So we will see you next time. Thanks so much. If you have a second, please subscribe to this podcast. I'd love for you to be a follower and learn as much as you can about the things that we're going to talk about with all the people on our journey. Please review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. These reviews really help. Review us, comment, tell me what else you want to hear to get more information. My practice website is www.cgcchicago.com. My website for GynoGirl is www.gynogirltv.com. My Instagram is GynoGirl, so please follow me for some good content. Additionally, I have a YouTube channel, TV, where I love to talk about all these things on YouTube. And please subscribe to my newsletter, Girl News, which will be available on my website. I will see you next time.